This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, your host. Since we are a top four team now, we're doing a bonus podcast for you. This isn't the main show. Joining me to answer some questions, Mr. Chris Bird, Mr. Phil Shaw, welcome. Hello, mate. Hello. By the way, I am eating Chinese at the moment, and uh, it has started to repeat on me, so be warned. Uh-oh. I will uh, move my mouth away from the mic when I'm munching, so I don't have to ASMR it, so down your ears so what so we're not doing a muck we're not doing a mukbang then you know you know you've not heard of a mukbang no go on youtube <laughs> it's where people just watch other people eating it's bizarre more people watch people play games than than people play Fucking games weird, it's it? kind of a weird world we live in i mean like that whole goggle box where people watch people watching tv it's so uh, it's this kind of weird parallel universe that i want to take no part in more people watch villa on youtube than they do being a uh be in the waiting list for a season ticket watching people watching villa how, how far down the rabbit hole do you go watching people watching people watching people all the way down this is very uh, tristan shandy the book i don't know if you're uh, aware of that book it's like one of the big head no. fucks of literature and actually uh steve coogan was in a, a film uh, michael winterbottom the director trying to make Tristan Shandy as a as a film, and I went to see an early screening of it. And the premises in the book, you're kind of referencing yourself, and then the reader is reading himself, reading the book, and it, you know it gets all weird. And so they've tried to replicate that in a film. So they have themselves sitting in a screening room in Soho, watching the film that they're in within the film. But the extra twist is, I'm actually in the same screening room in. Soho, watching them, watching their film in the same screening room in Soho. So whoever, whichever PR planned that screening to be in the same screening room as they are in the film, watching the film, uh, it was a, a genius move. But anyway. Maybe we should do a podcast listening to the podcast yeah, that we well, recorded. There there's, there's some free content for us. We can double our output. Right, anyway, uh, this is a bit more free form, this podcast, so do excuse us. I will not visit my plate of Chinese food for the next uh, few minutes. Firstly, though, supporting the My Old Man Said podcast throughout the festive period is NordVPN, and they are offering listeners an extra four 
months free on top of cracking savings on their VPN package, which can potentially help with that festive viewing, especially if you're away from home this Christmas, as a VPN enables you to watch sporting events and TV shows by switching your virtual online location from a physical location that might not allow you to watch certain matches at certain hours while at the same time it also protects your online privacy on up to six devices to get the exclusive package and also a no risk 30 day money back guarantee go to nordvpn.com/moms or check out this show's program notes as well thank you very much <laughs> Right, mad few question and answers. Some of the questions posed to us by uh, my old man said members. If you're not a member, what are you doing with your life? If you want to know more than the average Villa fan, get involved. Get, go to the website, myoldmansaid.com, and click on the members link and join us, and you'll also get ad-free podcast shows, extra shows, and also membership of Match Club. Right, Al Jones asks, does VAR actually benefit Villa in terms of their high line. VAR is like a safety blanket for Emery's offside trap, as often the margins are very tight between onside and offside. Before I pass it on, I would say it's it's essential to uh, Emery's high line. Well, Al's kind of answered his own question, yeah? It's like a safety blanket, isn't it? Well, it's more than a safety blanket. I think it's the foundations that it's built on, isn't it? Yeah. If there was no VAR, Emery wouldn't play that offside trap in yeah. that way. It's, it would be just far too risky. Because it's a it's a very a very marginal gain, but it's a kind of high-risk, high-reward way to play, which seems to be the Emery um, outlook. There's no way you could leave it in the, in the linesman's pocket. <laughs> Not anymore. No. <laughs> no way. And the thing is, if when you get these, um, if we ever get semi-automatic offsides in, on the Premier League, it'll be even better. It'll speed the game up. In human nature, there's this tendency to want to kind of balance things up. So if you've already, if Son's already on a hat trick of disallowed goals, the next one, the linesman's probably going to let it go, isn't he? Yeah. So uh, yeah, that answers that question pretty much. Mark Hazard asks: Are there any players in the current squad you would sell on in January, and who would you realistic and improved replacement be? I don't know. I'm... Would, would I sell anyone? No, because we had a bit of a clear out. Emery's kind of had that, hasn't he? Already, it feels like he's kind of cleared out the guys he doesn't want there. I think if anything, I wouldn't necessarily be replacing. You, you, he's. I think the mindset is now upgrade if possible or backup. Yeah. So you're looking at may for me. You're probably looking at a cash right back option, maybe a backup. It depends on the budgets. You know, we we have no idea what the depends how you know what position room. Yeah. I think you need you need cover anyway. So that'll be one. Possibly strike a cover, maybe Olsen. a backup goalie. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm 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 yeah, Olsen. Olsen. Yeah, Olsen has to go, and the new keeper has to come in. That's one hundred percent. Other I than mean, that, yes, yes, Olsen got a clean sheet at Tottenham last season, but you know, didn't have on. a save to make. Didn't have a save to make against those. Yeah, and we've seen Spurs finish jumps. The only way Spurs scored was a deflection. So we've seen their finishing ability. So it's not it's not sort of wholesale changes for me. Yeah, when you look at the team, this we 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 spoke about upside before Emery even came to town and Emery's tapped into that because there was always plenty of upside in the squad we had. And there still is currently because you haven't seen Zanioli yet. There's more to come from him potentially. And you know, he's only uh, fresh in. Tillemans is on his way to be yeah. getting and he's getting better and better. 
Diaby we've seen flashes from. He's only going to get better, I think, over the yeah. course of the season. That's the thing that I'm quite happy about is we haven't even turned the afterburners on yet. Other than a couple of games where we've blown yeah, there's teams a lot, away. There's still a lot to come from this team. And that's what has me cautiously optimistic. And also the fact that despite going into this uh, season before, let's say, first team is injured, we've managed that pretty well to be in two points off the top. We've managed that really well. And now we've got two of those guys back. So if we can get to the end of December without any major injury concerns, then it uh, could be interesting. And I suppose it'll be interesting to see how, now we're kind of where they want us to be, how ambitious the owners get. Well, as financial fair player, that is a big stickler. Yep. And this next question, it was actually set in October. So apologies for letting it stew, but now it's even fun. It's funnier now. <laughs> Hella Villain in Match Club says, Would it be possible to cash in on Yuri, that's Tillemans, as early as January? And who would be blind enough to take him? Aged well. <laughs> if we can't, is there any optimism that he can get up to a level we've come to recognise from Emery's players? Yeah, he's not well, going Well, em- Emery's beating you to the punch there. He's, he's, he's getting up to the level. But we're getting flashes from him, and that's, you know, from attacking players, that's what you need. Yeah. He's definitely becoming a very useful tool in the kit, shall we say. Will asks... This is a good one. Thing you've been most wrong about to do with Villa. Player, manager, just any bad shouts that you're not willing to admit to. I think the thing most wrong about to do with Villa was actually supporting them in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) The last 10 years has just been misery and pain. And then even when we were finishing sixth all the time, that was viewed in, in... those days in that context, as yeah. an underachievement and that was just massively frustrating and you know as a young young kid I saw uh, Villa win the you know the European Cup so it's almost like I started off at a high a bit like Ange Postacoglu I always remember re- reading something when they were top this is like after six or seven games where they said the only way is down for big Ange and that was true yeah and that was pretty much my Villa destiny yeah, I think I've been most wrong about with the villa. But let me let me put, give you some context. This question is uh, it's a loaded question because it's referencing this came after Douglas Louise had a blinder uh, one right. game recently. And of course, going back to last summer's transfer window when it was getting to deadline day and uh, Arsenal were were flying, you know, floating around like a vulture and the word on the street was he was up for the move and they were very close and it was kind of a matter of give us a couple more million because we've got to pay uh, Manchester City a sell-on fee and uh, the deal's done. But the owners also, uh, I think the owners stepped forward, basically, I think they said to Gerard, do you want this player? If you want him, we'll, keep, we'll make sure he stays. Because they, they would have said, is he any good? Do we really want him? And they're a big part of him staying because within, they would spend more if it wasn't for financial fair play. That, you know, they are, we, we kind of underestimate how big they are. So in that respect, if you can get 25 million for Douglas Willis at that time, when he was in and out of the team, it's not as if he was like a guilt edge starter. I would have taken the money because there's no guarantees. And you know, I'm, I'm not apologizing for that any shape or form. So that's where this question came from. And, and you know, that I, I'm, that I wasn't wrong in that call because if he went to Arsenal and, you know, fucked off, then what, what else can you do? I think the, the times that I've been most wrong um was the two times that i thought aston villa were going to win the league and first time would have been under big run whenever staunton scored at old trafford i thought we we're going to do it then the second time would have been whenever they came back from 2-0 down to beat arsenal 3-2 and santa fell off the roof or fell on the roof yeah those we were the, top of the, christmas weren't we 
yeah, those were the two times I thought this it's happening. This is it. But so now I just don't think anymore. I would go with I suppose my more most recent one was <laughs> we can laugh about this one now. When we bought Danny Drinkwater and I thought, oh, that might be a savvy move. <laughs> Fuck me, that was that wasn't that. <laughs> it was one of those, oh, if you can get a tune out of him, well, we did not. Yeah, I'm trying I'm trying, I'm trying to, to think. think sort of more uh, historically. When you, Gerard, nobody could have predicted that he would have been in as big a failure as he was. All he had to be was average and it would have been enough for him yeah, yeah it's not as if we were saying he's the greatest manager ever though is it this is what you got wrong mm-hmm. i mean the thing is i mean i i am i'm not somebody who cheerleads and does handstands because of, i'm always like proofs in the pudding i want to see him first i mean i remember a certain individual writing a blog about tim sherwood and then sponsoring the match ball and then printing out that blog and giving it to Tim Sherwood at the photo opportunity. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and because they met Tim Sherwood, you know, he was the greatest thing for Villa, blah, 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 blah. And and, you, and we are here looking at Tim Sherwood and going, hmm, good to get him in to, like, rally the troops for just to get out of there. But in terms of long term, and this guy's a charlatan. And that was the party line. I also remember very, very briefly thinking when Dr. Tony came and you thought, oh, this guy's got some money when he was splashing the cash. We'll be, we'll be all right here. <laughs> well, you obviously weren't listening to me and Dan Rogers. <laughs> As I said, it was very brief. When did, when did he arrive? In about June. And then by about September, we were like, oh, God. Me and Dan Rogers up to like 3 a.m. in the morning searching the internet for any evidence that uh, Recon Group were actually legit. Yeah, <laughs> I remember now. Anyway. I also remember thinking more, much further back to when I was quite young, thinking, oh, wow, Sasa Churchich will be the, the big player that pushes us on. Yeah, to the next level. I thought he would be better than he was. Uh, also Lambert as well. I thought he'd be better. Yeah. He, he turned into something I, I never knew he would. Maybe it was a kind of Villa thing. We used to always joke, didn't we, that after a year or so at Villa, any manager's hair would suddenly turn grey and you yeah. know, their wrinkles would grow and uh, there'd be a half man after uh, a year. Anyway, let's move on. Lee asks, Lee Lob, has anyone asked how many season ticket holders are in the North Stand and where are they going to place when the redevelopment uh, takes place. This is a question that's been asked at uh, fan consultation, uh, fan advisory board meetings a few times, but it's always kind of kicked into the long grass. Oh, uh, well, we'll make announcements, etc. in due course. I think the only time we kind of doubled down on a conversation, it was essentially that if the capacity is around, th- let's say, 32,000, because you're going to lose, is it eight, eight, ten, something like Ish, that? Ish, yeah then uh, you could be looking at season ticket holders only at Villa Park for a season and a half. So they'll be redistributed, but it'll be like redistributed around the three stands. And that is as good as an answer I can give you at this moment. Yeah. And then in terms of the new stand, you know, who knows? They'll get first dibs on wherever they want to sit, I suppose. Yeah. When once they see the prices, they'll be like, oh, shit. Doug Ellis it is. (laughs) No North Stand for me. Nick PT asks, is the Villa commercial and marketing team really up to the task they've been set? And is the club capable of turning around the last few months to start bringing fans along with them? This is Hmm. the notion of on the pitch, it's going great. Off the pitch, people are feeling a bit alienated. Maybe the marketing team 
this commercial team is taking advantage of Unai Emery's upswing and the, the kind of positivity that he's brought uh, in terms of on the pitch. So they're cashing in now and kind of really blatantly, uh, if you ask me. Now, this is something I, I said exactly the same in front of Ben Hatton, the chief operating officer who is like Chris Hex number two. And he took umbrage with it. You know, he basically said, I, you know, I disagree because, you know, we have 42,000 happy people at Villa Park every game. Which isn't strictly true because there's sometimes less sold than out yet. <laughs> 42,000 because uh, there's, there's been banks of seats that have empty because they were trying to upsell people into the terrace view and lower ground. And they left them like that and didn't sell them on to the general public. So I wouldn't say 42,000. Also, this is something that they've stopped doing now. They are releasing them, I think, with about a week to go or whatever to try to sell them rather than just, it's not a bad look. And when the owners come, they expect this stadium to be sold out every game. So when if they see any empty seats, they're, you know, they're not happy. You, you'll, you have to see it over, I don't know, a season at least, really, because, I mean, I wasn't happy about the principle of the, there were lower grounds where you have the whole suite and that there was no communication before you bought your season ticket that that was being taken away and even you know after the season started and it wasn't open for the Everton game they were communicating to fans as if it's like oh yeah it's just been refurbished it'll be you know open next week leading us down the garden path so that was taking the piss and and just not transparent and honest and that's what you kind of ask you know if they said right uh yeah Holt Suite uh, potentially going when they also announced before, I think it was in April, that the, there'll be no more free home cup game. So at least when you're buying your season ticket, you know, say at that point, and then you're like, well, okay, you know, then you make your decision, don't you? You're not being hoodwinked later on where they take a benefit away that you expected you were getting. So you've got to, for them, whether it's up for the task, well, that's the results driven business. I mean, if they made a shitload of money, and but all the fans were just now customers and had no connection to the club, we would feel that they were not up to the task, but maybe the owners would see the financial results and go, well, no, they're perfectly up for the task. So it's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? It's a, there's a balance yeah. act to be had. You can make money by doing the right thing. And I look at the people currently, and I don't think they're on that uh, wavelength. I actually look at Tottenham and their stadium is a great example of how you get the, you know, the kind of the balance right. They've got a really defined cop end, haven't they? And they look after their core support really well. But then they've got multiple tiers of you know really entry level, not even, well, not entry level, but like informal hospitality right up to almost sort of Michelin level top yeah, quality. Thing. And that's the modern way to do it. You have to have the broadest offering possible, but you have to look after your core support as well. I uh, trying to get in was it a couple of seasons ago. I didn't have a, yes. an away ticket, but uh, I found this voucher thing where they were literally giving away like some kind of soft hospitality for £99. So me and my friend went went for it. And we our, our minds were blown what we saw. It was another level of going to see the football. I mean, I'm not going to bore you with the details here, but it's night and day difference to uh, going to uh, Villa Park. But now Villa Park, they're trying to sell a padded seat for £80, which is almost like that £99 or over £80. And you're thinking, fucking hell, that's taking the piss. Mm. You're just ramping the prices up, but you're not actually adding anything to the... This is the thing, It's you're adding price, but you're not adding value. Especially yeah. if the, the, the value of a season ticket is probably going down where the price keeps going up and a match ticket as well for fans who you know don't go as regularly. Anyway, so answer Nick's question. Well, we'll see where they are uh, at the end of the season. And yeah. also, let's see where season ticket prices are going because uh, they have taken the piss the last two times. Yeah. I understand if you're playing catch-up after the championship, but you don't really hike them that high 
when there's a known like economic situation and people are actually struggling and then actually reference that in your comms to support us going, oh, we understand people are having a hard time, but also we have costs as well, which other clubs did, but they put theirs up like four or 5%, which is what you would expect from that comms. We have costs to inflation has made putting on football games more expensive. You go, yeah, fair enough five four percent if you see that increase you go yeah you can buy into that from what they've said but when they say oh you know we have costs too and they go at 15 percent, it's like <laughs> taking the piss there there's no two ways about it don't even come at me with that oh we understand it's a hard time for everybody at this moment if you're going up 15 percent, don't even mention that just go for the throat just say right your, your tickets are at 15 percent. come up with some other excuse Stephen asks, assuming acceptance of any uh, external entity, Premier League, Football Association, what capacity of stadium would you be able to justify moving away from Villa Park, B6, 4? If moving, what distance in miles would you accept for every additional 1,000 in capacity? Would you accept 1 mile, 5 miles, 10 miles per additional 1,000? Is there a maximum distance irrespective of... How many miles to Barbados? <laughs> yeah, to play in front of a thousand people would be great. <laughs> doesn't really matter, I don't think, distance. As long as it's within, you know, spitting distance of Birmingham. It's more about the site, isn't it? Yes, yeah. And at the moment, the thing I like about Villa, it's next to a stately home, Aston Hall, which they don't car. really link. They're going to link up a bit more yeah in the future with that and you know i've said years ago like you've got to lean into that because whatever football club has bloody stately such, home and a, and a yeah, park next to it yeah, such I mean, a defined identity you'd be stupid to to not the, lean into it a bit like you know what the like the red Sox do at fenway park and, and teams like that rather than move into a, a generic bowl at like star city or something you just yeah you know, so would i justify moving away from the park the reality is Stephen, that I don't think our fan base is as resilient to say go up to a sixty thousand stadium yet. I think we we're, we're going to max out at just over fifty when the North Stand's done. Yeah, is my prediction. I don't think you know uh, the, the the demand is there yet. The thirty seven thousand waiting list, I can tell you for a fact, only about a seventh of that have actually been to Villa Park in the last five years. So that shows what the genuine demand is. Yeah. So the next step, fifty thousand. That's fair enough. Will you be filling it every week? Mm, there's no guarantee. We, we mm. would have to carry on being a top four club, put it that way, at this moment in time. Obviously, yep. if you stay a top four club for a few seasons, then that has a knock-on effect because the TV coverage, worldwide TV coverage has a knock-on effect and you do amass a new fan base, of well, overseas fan base, yep. and you get more of the tourist fan. If Villa were to move in Birmingham, where would you want to move to? Well, <sighs> I've I've always liked football stadiums that are kind of on by like rivers and stuff. So I think if you, I'd almost knock down the NIA and put it there and kind of have Villa Park at the canals and stuff. I think that'd be quite cool. Although I'm sure the people of Brindley Place and the the bankers and all that'd be really glad to have forty fifty thousand football fans there every other week. Well, we don't care about True. them. <laughs> but Aston suffers because it's a dump. But potentially it could be better. Yeah. Because of that stately home thing. I mean, if you imagine 50 years in the future, real gentrification going on, I mean, it would take a good, it'd take probably half a century to achieve anything near. But that could be a real picturesque borough, if you use your imagination. It could go very hackney, <laughs> couldn't it? Yeah, that's where I'm kind of coming from. And then things like that stately home, 
and that will be opened up. They'll probably take some of the trees down in the middle, so it really opens it up to the to Villa Park, and you would have a real unique experience there. You know, people sitting on the on the hill, the bank, as part of the, the pre-match, rather than just you know taking a sneaky piss behind a tree, which it probably serves as now. Serves well, thank you very much. But it, <laughs> it, but it could be really something. So yeah, it uh, could. I agree. That's the thing. There's not that many super options in Birmingham to move it because. Some of the cooler areas, the upcoming, are at Blues Territory, like the Digbeths, etc. But, you know, you can't really drop a stadium in there. No. Next, that close to the Blues. Drop it on, St. Andrews. <laughs> 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 Just wipe them out in one. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Swoop. A question regarding, this is Stephen again, is it? Same Stephen? Yeah. yeah. Question regarding the common wisdom that new managers need time. Do they? Look at what Emery has done with Gerard's squad, which wasn't that different from Dean Smith's squad. Do the best managers actually need time? Is that an excuse used for poorer managers? Uh, I think Emery had a good position because you're looking at a team that actually Villa were buying good players and they were slowly building a squad through Smith, through Gerard. So it's almost like every transfer window that passed, that squad got better. And it wasn't actually deteriorating, was it? It was getting, it was building up. And then Emery would have looked at that squad to say yes to this job. It's not like, oh, Aston Villa, yeah, they're a big club. They won the European Cup once. Oh, yeah, I'll take the job. No. Mm -hmm. He analyzed that squad. He looked at it and he thought, is this the foundations? Yes, the owners will spend. They will support me. But have I got the foundations here to get out the traps fast? And actually, within a season... Because I, I would say he overachieved uh, getting into Europe in the, the half season that yeah. he had, and he would an- analyze that squad and go, "Yeah, that is this is," and, and seeing the upside that we were seeing as a bloody podcast. So he had a kind of a unique situation because he inherited, let's say, an asset which was really undervalued because it didn't have good enough managers to to utilize it. I mean, Dean Smith, what's his greatest achievement? Winning a playoff final. This isn't top end managerial. Uh, 
what's uh, Stephen Gerrard's greatest achievement is winning the Scottish Premier League. If you manage Celtic or Rangers, you've got a 50-50 chance. We had a good enough vehicle, but we didn't have a good driver, I think, is how I would yeah. look at it. And also, you know, the thing of do they need time? Well, like you said Emery had a unique position, and he, of course he did because... Most managers don't come in, play a couple of games, and then have weeks and weeks of a World Cup to sit and fine-tune and analyse and get themselves settled in the air and all that stuff. So he was very fortunate in that sense that he, he, got, the, you know, he got the early wins. But those two wins in the first couple of games were, were huge for him. And the, the fact that he started well, and then he got the time to go away and really analyse the team, work out what he needed to do in the market. Yeah, because, I mean, me being more of a chicken shit, <laughs> this is the way I thought he was going to play. He was going to say, I'll take over... I'll start after the World Cup because then yeah, he, I remember we, I remember we spoke about that. Yeah, because he had two tough games, and they could have been in a really difficult position if they'd have lost both of those games. You could potentially have been in the bottom three. You yeah. would have been definitely. Luckily, we won them both, and we were all of a sudden we flew into mid-table pretty quickly. Because I I was thought you don't want you don't want some stench on your record straight away, do you? Let's say no. feasibly you lost those two games, then you've lost that aura already. You know, you, you've lost a little bit of your mystique. But the fact that he he gambled and said, "Yeah, I'll go for it now." I mean, he backed himself big time because he won those games and then suddenly was in such such a good position because yep. suddenly his players have got belief straight away. And, and and it did take time. You know, you remember the the meeting with, you know, Damien walks and says, you know, A, can you stop telling Douglas Luiz to keep shooting from corners? And B, can you just be patient with us playing out from the back? That took a bit of time. So we sort of had the initial plan similar to Gerard, where he turned it around quite quickly and made it much more resolute. But to actually implement the Emery style on the team took a bit longer. And there was, you know, there were the, the bumps in the road, you know, that sort of three game period, you know, with the Arsenal, Leicester, and I forget the other game. City. Of course, City away. Now we can look back over the, the whole body of work and say, well, that was quite a defining period because he probably learned a hell of a lot. And then the players kind of came through the wall a little bit, you know, through the growing pains and then flourished in the, the back end of the season. Yeah. So you do yeah. need time, but you also you need, need sort of resource and And, and you need ability as well. Yeah, because sometimes some of the worst managers, it's the worst thing you can give some of the managers is time. We've already mentioned Tactics Tim. Tactics Tim's a you know a sixth month shot in the arm. He's not yeah. a manager. Yeah, the longer he had, the uh, the worse he got. And admittedly, they sold all his best players. The thing, the the conclusion on Smith, and you know, this is what Perslow said was this was a manager who wasn't going to get as eighth in the season they got rid of him, and he wasn't. And this is the telling line: he wasn't going to get as eighth the following season either. And that's it, kind of played out. He's, the... he's done shit, hasn't he? Uh, well, he's had some really weird gigs, hasn't he, to be honest. They were kind of strange jobs. He was on a bit of a hiding to nothing. But Now, Gerard, I, I would actually... Again. It's going to sound strange, but I would actually have a bit more sympathy with Gerard just because everybody he bought got injured long-term. They did. Carlos, Kamara, Luca Dean, the, the three big buys of his... And let's not even mention Coutinho because he was like uh, kind of rice paper, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. So, so I, wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't have bought him. I mean, that was like one of those your egos thinking, well, I can get him. Like Coutinho's never come to Villa, but at the and same he might time, come good. You can't just, I mean, we've mentioned this before. You can't just write off Coutinho as a complete failure because he was catnip for other players to come. Is catnip mm-hmm. the right analogy? <laughs> yeah. Well, so. it, it was kind of the pull, wasn't it? It was the, wow, Villa have gone yeah. and they've got Gerard and they've got Coutinho. Without those boys, you probably don't get... You, know, um, you don't get Kamara. Nope, no chance. You don't get Carlos. You don't get Dina. You don't get Luca Dean, who's done all right this season. So this is like the universe forming Villa. This isn't like Emery's just strolled in and created everything and it's amazing. There's been a few years here where... Like Dean Smith, you've got to give him credit for Watkins, Conza, Ings, 
and you know even fucking Steve Bruce with McGinn. I mean that's going that will go, that will go down historically. Give Bruce credit, probably one of Villa's yeah. best ever transfers in terms of bang for buck. Yeah, and so you know you, you play the social media game. You know Steve Bruce, potato prick, cabbages, blah blah blah. Stephen Jad, fucking idiot, blah 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 blah. But actually, they all have a, a role to play here and positive role. But you know you go back a decade and you're looking at your McLeishes, your Lamberts, your Sherwoods. They're they're not actually contributing to anything, are they? No, <laughs> I mean they're brought in, they're brought in Benteke, but. Well, let him go anywhere. Ultimately, it was like yeah. this is a waste of time. This this player needed to be in a different era of Villa team. They were kind of like managers, teams, and the club. Basically, they were just treading water through that whole period. Yeah. But even like Bruce has at least made a contribution to this current team. And you'd say the same with Bruce. You know, do you need to give him time? Yeah, but in his second season, he got us to a playoff final. Yeah, but that was an, an uh, that was a level of operating that I never wanted to see Villa at. This was like scrapping around, scrambling around. Oh yeah, Steve Bruce might be able to get yeah. us out of a hole here. That was desperation. What yeah. did he spend, Scott Hogan? Yeah, exactly. But that, this is. <laughs> yeah, don't don't go into that. That's How much more was Henry Lansbury on a week. <laughs> That's more the club buying players rather than uh, like the likes of Bruce specifically. That's like, right, if we get Scott Hogan, he scored like, if we get Codger, he scored 19 goals for yeah, Bristol. Yeah, Ross McCormack. Oh, that's, that's a bit unfair in Codger to put him in the same bracket as those two. Codger's was all right. At least he, he had a good season in a bad season. He was season, entertaining. He? he was entertaining. Codger was bought because he scored 19 goals for Bristol. And they thought, right, we're paying this amount of money for 19 goals. They, it's as, as if they expected him to score 19 for Villa. Cormac scores 20 goals a season, right? We'll give you however much it was. That's going to get us another 20 goals. Oh, Hogan, he's scoring a lot in the first few games. That's going to guarantee us more goals. It's simple equation. That's how they were operating. And it was like, you do know you've got to actually put these players into a team and a way of playing. Extremely naive. And then you had that clown, you know, running the show and interfering as well. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's all about circumstances, isn't it? The squad what you inherit. I think as a rule, most managers need time. I mean, you look at David Moyes one, with Everton. One season he was fighting relegation. You could have got rid of him the next, you know, that summer. But then the next season, they're challenging for top four, top five. And then the next season, they're down again, getting, you know, fighting the relegation. You think, should we pull the trigger now? But the season after, you know, he's top six, top five. Sometimes look you need time. At West Ham. If you're inheriting a bit of a mess... That's where you need time because you need transfer windows to actually put it together. The good thing about Villa was actually, I mean, Lang and whoever else had actually created foundations that it was actually inviting to Emery to take over and he can apply the finishing touches. And a lot of the finishing touches was getting the best and getting the upside out of the players that he actually had because mm-hmm. there was a squad there capable. I mean, sometimes you, because you support the team, you have a bit more insider knowledge or you watch these players more regularly than, you know, let's say other media, other fans. So you, And you have a bit more sentiment to them and maybe that sentiment blinds you of their actual ability and what they're actually doing there's always he'll come good you know there's always you you wish for the you hope for the best but in this case they, you know we were dropping you're dropping like 30 million on Buendia and you've seen flashes of him and you think there's upside to him and you know it it's, it's like a fact you know that this is a player who if you play him right will reap rewards you know where the ceilings are on most players don't you if you've watched them a few times yeah within within reason but within reason. with Villa you knew that Mings could be better you knew that Watkins could be better. I mean, you, you know, you went through a season, his first season where he hit the post about five times. 
was offside offside goals about three or four, and you just know you just need minor tweaks here, and you got a twenty goal season strike. Even this here. season, someone like a Bailey, we thought you know he, he can he can get better. There's there's, yeah. there's enough there that you can improve. That you know the, the improvement from when we first bought Louise in that first season in the Premier League to what we're kind of seeing now, you know, X years on, the player that we all hoped he maybe could be. But going back to the uh, earlier question about uh, who you who you'd be buying in, if we get into there's a certain players we need now, in, but as Chris said, they have to be upgrades. And I think if you finish in the top five, then you can access that pool of player a bit more easier. Yeah, and that's where we need to be heading. Yeah. Right. Next. Yeah, as Matt D said, uh, replying to the question that we've just uh, asked about, uh, you know, do you need time or whatever? He, he kind of just says what Chris copied off. Off map. <laughs> <laughs> Emery was fortunate the World Cup gave him more time and then, you know, the good core of the squad. Mm. And it also, you know, points out, you know, he still managed to get beat by Stevenage. Yeah. Well, that's part of taking, giving people time, isn't it? You have to allow for bumps yeah. in the road. Exactly. Charles P, good question. How many Villa players will score Ooh. double digit league goals this season? Ooh. Three. Uh, one. What? <laughs> <laughs> three? three who are these three what's going to happen that after Christmas <laughs> Aston Villa 12 Crystal Palace nil I think I think Watkins Luton nil Aston Villa 8 I think Bailey will get Bailey sort of Manchester getting, City getting 3 Aston Villa 9 <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like the 1800s isn't it old school Villa are we even convinced that Watkins is going to get double I'll double, I'll double digit league oh, he's got goal. double digit sorry it's just over over 10 sorry yeah, I was thinking 20 yeah, yeah. sorry no yeah double was... digit I think I think 3 who I think Bailey Watkins and who's the third and, and I reckon Louise will get double digits I'm not I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take out the league I'm going to say in all competitions oh, no fuck okay. that no <laughs> League. I'm just saying Watkins, that's it. I'm going to stand by the three. I'll say two. Somebody else will creep Who? in. Not Zaniola. Louise from penalties. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of diving uh, on the horizon. We haven't got that secondary str- forward striker, Chappie. No, and that was the answer. I earlier. mean, I'd love McGinn to chalk up 10. Don't think it's going to happen. I'd love Torres to do it. If Ramsey was fit and had three or four in in the bag already, then maybe him. Pal Torres, eight more headers from free kicks and corners. Well, we'll see, but I, I can't see it. Right, final question. Brenta UTV asks, what's Danny Murphy's problem with Villa? Seems a bit agitated on match of the day whenever having to comment on our games. It's just his general demeanour. It's kind of sour anyway. I mean, I don't mind that kind of tone if you've if you got something to say. I mean, he I don't like the to say yeah, I don't like the children's TV. Everybody's excited, everybody's happy approach. I mean, as you can tell by this podcast. <laughs> but, uh, but Danny yeah, Murphy, Mika, Mika Richards isn't getting an invite. Uh, Danny Murphy say. would probably fit nicely in this uh, podcast. But, <laughs> but yeah, he's just a bit sour. But when does he get excited? I think it's when it's a real safe bet. Really, when he's talking about I don't know Liverpool or Manchester yeah. City or whatever. He was actually very complimentary of Villa post Spurs. Which yeah. I was kind of surprised at. I thought he'd really go after Villa playing the high line and it not working. But you've you've hit the nail on the head. The problem with these pundits are they're they're brought in for the traditional big six or Sky Six or Super League Six, whatever you want to call them. And if you if you take them off the script of them, they, they don't know what to say. So they just they're not happy at having to go off script in case they look stupid. They haven't done their homework. Yeah, and it's it's very difficult to be really well researched on all the teams all the time. You can't watch all 
exactly. Know, I mean, the layman, the, all the, time. the layman, still thinks that you know people on Sky, people on TV, know more than everybody else. There's no way any of these suckers know more than we do, and the listeners of the show, because we watch it inside and out, our ears to the ground, and to think that oh, I, I, I need I need to watch match of the day to find out what they think about Villa, because that's what counts the most. It's like nobody gives a shit. Who gives a fuck with that? Danny Murphy's not watching the ins and out of Aston Villa. He didn't have to. Producers prep, they give him some stats, and then they just perform in front of the camera. And every now and then someone will come out with a really insightful little bit of tactical stuff. And that's the stuff that you get from pros. But in terms of the broad strokes of Villa season and the, you know, when they say, oh, Villa have been doing this really well. Like, all you hear is the same stuff. Oh, Watkins has been really deadly this season. You know, Mika Richards will drop some, he'll mention that he played for Villa to, to try to give you some gravitas to what he's saying. But he knows no more than we do about what's going on. And I'm sorry, but he doesn't know as much as we do because he didn't watch the games as much as we do. That's the fact. And that, you know, anybody with a, Villa podcast will know more as you know as long as they've got the head screwed on and they know what they're talking about you know some people on YouTube who are really good they've got their own thing going on and then you see the comments people going oh you know you should work for Sky or or you know you you, you know your career is only going to go up it's like well actually they're doing better than anything that Sky can do it's more original. <laughs> it's more interesting. I mean, look at look in in a, in a different lane to the pundits, but look at like someone like what a Romano's built. He's built his own thing, hasn't he? And now he's kind of like the go-to guy. Whether you like him or not, it, it's immaterial. It's the fact that he built his own thing. You know, media's different now. You can, as a single person or a group of friends or whatever, build something that's a lot more interesting and more engaging and, and more real that engages with people than uh, anything the uh, the main broadcasters can do all, yep. all they've got is money and this is the fun thing is the competition is is stacked so far against you because here we all are you know doing out of spare rooms and, and whatever left to our own devices and you you're fighting multi-million pound meat well you're not up against them but you're in the same lane as uh, multi-million billion media companies but a lot of them haven't got an idea between their ass cheeks have they and they're not creative they aim for a, a broader demographic, so you don't have to be that uh, inventive. So, what was the question? What's wrong Danny with Murphy? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it, no, it's it's interesting to me how he got that gig. I didn't necessarily have any aversion to him per se. It was just like, well, surely there's there's better, maybe. But yeah. the level isn't There's that a few great. Like that, though, now. But I'm old school. I mean, I, I would just happily just listen to Barry Davis commentate on the game. That's, oh, all, I, that's all I needed. But yeah. anyway, moving on. Al Jones asks, there will undoubtedly be some big money bids for one or more of our key players at the end of the season. Who is the most likely to be targeted and by whom? If we finish top five, we, we don't have that problem. Yeah. If you don't get Champions League, you are probably looking at Martinez, I would say. Louise. Because we're on a mission now and these guys, they're in a better place than they could possibly be because they're all part of this mission and they're fairly secure in the team as well. Yeah, and you've got owners that if somebody is, let's say, Chris Budd's prediction comes true and we've got like three double-digit scorers and they're all demanding more pay, the owners can sort that out. It's not as if we're struggling for cash, put it that way. No, it's not after we sell Dan Donker to Zod FC or ZFC for 50 million. Can't wait. But finishing top five will cure a lot of that problems. I mean, we'll have other problems. We've still got to compete at that level because we will be up at another, another level. And Probably a couple of levels. The status quo of financial fair play will keep us back a little bit. But then again, at least you've got Champions League money to, let's say, grease the wheel. 
I think it's important regardless to be to be in European competition next year again. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But we need to be in to, for the purposes of this question. We need to be top five. Yeah. Also, while you're still in the hunt, players aren't turning. You know, the heads aren't being turned. So I don't think at this stage, I don't think we've got a problem. I don't think any of those players will want to play anywhere else than Aston Villa if we're in the Champions League. I mean, you know, Martinez would cream his pants if we're in the Champions League for <laughs> Aston Villa because he's, he, you know, he anything that he's gone for is and and manifested. It's it's happened. So yeah. I'm all about. Uh, yeah. Martinez's manifestations and I think he's the one that will keep the rest on board yeah, yeah, he's yeah. he's the key I 100% agree Stefan final question if we made a monopoly board of current Villa players who would be old Kent Road and who would be Mayfair and who would go to jail <laughs> I think Zanny has gone to jail well that'll do him <laughs> that's a different thing altogether though isn't it <laughs> Just to be on the safe side, Zaniola goes to jail. Uh, old Kent Ray Olsen. I think Martinez Mayfair for me. Yeah, surely. I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah, McGinn's probably like the gas worker or the electric works or something. He's the engine room. <laughs> we'll be releasing that. Uh, this is my old man said version of Monopoly will be available. Yeah, Monopoly uh, will be available for Christmas next Christmas. It's a pity Henry Lansbury wasn't there. Free parking. That was what he was on that bench. <laughs> right. So enough of this. Please do uh, subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or whatever podcast app you use so that it jumps up automatically sometimes uh, i put it out and then uh, use social media to announce it like a day or two after so uh, if you want to get the show bright and early it's best to subscribe follow on whatever podcast app you listen to uh, especially like the likes of spotify and apple please do follow us on social media at my old man said too coming up this week this is uh, an extra so we did it while i was eating a chinese so that's uh, how serious we're taking it, but we wanted to jump on again. Got to uh, feel it when you're uh, in the top four. It's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty. And with a bench full of all star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.